Uh, to come and join me on the stage at this time. I know Frank's visiting too, so come on up, Frank, as the rest of you are seated. So great to be together today, and I hope you're enjoying summer and a little bit of that rain, and uh, some of the kids maybe got freaked out by the, the, uh, the loud thunder the other day, um, but uh, great, great to be together. These Sundays in July... Uh, there's people in our church family who, as you, most of you know, if you've been around for the last few weeks, you've seen us promote this, uh, My Story series. And uh, I really appreciate those that are willing to get up here and share life. Uh, the rubber hits the road and honesty of, of situations. And uh, it's an encouragement and inspiration. And we grow and we learn from one another. And uh, Frank, come on. Frank Schultz, and uh, so great to have you and your wife a part of our church family and your willingness to share this this morning. Uh, uh, we were sharing uh, a good visit over coffee some time ago, and you shared an outline with me about prayer that just uh, is so great. And there, I thought, you know what, our church, this is the danger, isn't it? You know this, of sharing good things in your life with me. Because uh, I'll often say, and you've heard me say it if you've been around ECC for a while, our church needs to hear this. Our church family needs to hear this. And so, Frank, I've asked, I've asked Frank to share what he shared with me uh, over coffee that day. Well, good morning. I, I want to thank the Lord for letting me share this. It's funny. I, I, in life, I, I did very well. Business-wise, I had to attend big meetings, you know, and speak, but I could never speak. But anyway, the Lord has given me, when I spoke to Marlo that one day, um, I'm going to go away from, you know, the whole thing. I'm just going to stay within the prayer part. Now, I'm going to run down 10 items, but of course, each and every one of them is not what the 10 show, you know, like what I read out. They're all more in depth, but it would take an hour or between 30 minutes and an hour is basically the length of the prayer time. I never used to pray very well because I'd get, have my mind drift and then I'd, you know, say, thank you, Lord, goodbye. I don't know if you guys have that. But anyway, my prayer each evening starts out with my daily personal uh, Devotions, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, it all depends. And when I start to drift, then I go into my regular prayer. The Lord has given me these things over time, and I can break them down if anybody wants to know, but for uh, sake of time, I'll just read them off. First off, it's I start off with praying for the health of certain individuals. As things happen, as one either passes away or is, is healed, I pull another one into, the, into that group. Next, my prayer goes to, again, it, it depends. Sometimes it's longer or shorter. I pray for Christians who are oppressed, persecuted or mocked just for being Christians. 
Then I, my next prayer is I pray for new believers because the Lord has drawn them unto, the, unto himself and you know that they are firmly rooted in Jesus. Uh, then I go to, um, I pray for all Christians um, across the world for God to meet some needs doesn't matter what it is you know some people have spiritual needs some people have other needs you know health or whatever and then after that I pray for pastors ministers whoever it's uh, you know that the Holy Spirit guide them after that I pray for world peace you know for also peace in Jerusalem you know that our politicians are led to do the right thing. And then for, I pray for our police officers, no matter where they are. And then I've got, this is where my prayers become longer, because I pray for um, all the Christians, you know, some by name, some by group, and all this kind of stuff. And then I thank, the next section is, I thank the Lord for, and to touch, uh, non-believers. You know, like, also that spans many different uh, genre. And finally, you know, like, that's actually a fairly long prayer. And my final thing when I pray is, I say the Lord's Prayer. Thank you very much. Yeah, give him, give him a hand for having the courage to get up here and, uh, and share that with us. And there's elements of it that some of you pray as well. And some, some of it uh, you, you may want to incorporate in your time of talking to God. It's not a formula. We're in relationship with God. And so it's conversation, isn't it? And uh, if there's questions you have, you'd be willing to chat with people after church today, right? And... Uh, not to put you on the spot. I mean, if you said no, I'm not sure what I would do right here. But thank you for being willing. Thanks, Frank. Okay, God thank bless you. you, man. Yeah. Um, Dallas is a brave guy. Because I know Dallas a little bit. And uh, I think it's so cool that you are uh, willing to get up here, along with others over these weeks. And... Um, in my office a few weeks ago, Dallas walked into my office a few weeks ago and just said, God told me I'm supposed to share my story. And I said, that's cool. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it's been, I know that it's been, uh, let me rephrase that. It's just been cool to watch God work in your life. And it's been great to get to know you and your family. Look at these cheerleaders on the front row here. <laughs> hey, kids. Just, wow, go, Dad. So open your heart uh, over these next few moments as Dallas opens his life to us. Good morning, everyone. Uh, haven't been this nervous in a while. I've given technical presentations to like 400 people, not too bad, but... I guess more on a personal level, it's just that little more intense. <laughs> so I'm just going to kind of walk you through my life. 
and explain my journey with God through the various years of the last almost 40 years. So uh, I tried to get a nice little Hobbit reference with the unexpected journey because this has been a journey that I didn't see coming for quite a while after some events, but I'll just start at the beginning. So in my early years, I was born Roman Catholic. I got baptized, went to confirmation, had the opportunity with our church to go see the Pope in Denver for World Youth Day many years ago, which was a pretty neat experience. But then after that, you know, you go off to high school, you start straying a bit. Uh, there's a quote that I've heard a few times that I kind of like is, when you're young, you're like, your, your cup is small. So when God is pouring faith into you, it's easy to overflow it. But as you grow older, your cup gets bigger and it's harder to get it full all the time. So then you start losing some faith. So as high school progressed, my faith more and more diminished. Uh, I didn't really go to church much. I'd go occasionally with my mom on, you know, like Palm Sunday and Christmas and that, just on the key events. And then after high school finished, then it just was no more. So then it was kind of like the black time. I was, faith was gone. I was in engineering, a man of science. Uh, I was like, God doesn't exist. I don't know why I wasted all that time doing that. And that probably was, I don't know, about 15 years where he was gone and I was not even actively looking for anything. And then one day, uh, my wife came into my office to, uh, she was one of my new water samplers. And <laughs> she came into my office and things started to happen. And next thing you know, we're dating. And a bit of light started to come back in from her. I was still kind of not actively looking. And then I got an email from WestJet. Hey, she trips to Vegas. So I'm like, yeah, let's go on a little vacation. So back in 2007, we hopped on a plane, went to Vegas. And, you know, people go to Vegas and like, how easy is it to get married? Well, <laughs> extremely easy. <laughs> so <laughs> we were walking down the strip just for fun and just saw this chapel and like, should we go in and see? But before we went in, we kind of sat on the curb for a bit. And me and Andrea had a talk, like, are we going to do this? Are we serious? And then she said, if we're going to get married, you have to start coming to church with me. And of course, I said, like, sure. <laughs> Let alone known where that would go. But so we got married. Uh... We were living in Fort McMurray at the time, so then I started attending church with her. I wouldn't ask if we were going. She'd just say, I want to go today. I'm like, okay, let's go. And we went through a bunch of different churches up there. Some of them were a little more intense than others. Uh, the one we went to a few times, they came running down the aisles with flags, and I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but I kept going with her. And I just kept going, 
even though my heart wasn't completely opened, I was still going just in support of my wife, knowing that it's, it was big to her. And then in 2012, I got transferred from Fort McMurray down here to Edmonton to our research office. And we spent about, I don't know, we came down two separate times to look at houses, and each time we looked at like 20-some places. And we found a place just back here around the corner. And it, looking back now, it's like, well, God planted you right here, right beside this church for a reason. Because as soon as we moved down and came here, this was the first church we went to. And I kept coming, supporting her. The kids were old enough now, and we are coming here with them, and they're attending events, and just coming here to this church, and like Megasporns Camp, and then the Family Fun Days, where Andrew was volunteering a lot, but I was just playing with the kids and doing this and not actively thinking, yeah, I'm going to spend my time helping this. I'm just going to keep the kids have fun and just see the goodness they're doing and my wife is enjoying. So then in 2016, uh, the kids were playing on China FM every summer. They have that send your kids to camp. So they were playing the whole time. They picked some of the sounds the animals sing. And then one week they won. And Andrew goes in and the to collect the thing, and it was like, okay, you want to camp in BC? And they're like, oh, great. We're not going to take one kid, drop him off to BC, and then drive back and then go get him. And it was like, I guess we'll give it to someone or something. But then she picked it up, and it was for the whole family. So we won a week at family camp. So, yeah. So we went there, and it was an absolutely amazing experience. And... The neat thing about the camp is it's pretty much run by youth. So the, from like 14 to early 20s, pretty much dedicated. They have a couple senior adults who overlook things, but otherwise it's just youth serving people. You're given a concierge, they call it, where you have like a 15 to 17-year-old kid whose job is keep your kids happy. <laughs> so it's like everyone can just do what they need to do there. So what we needed to do was just sit there, listen to God, and just watch our family grow together. And then I think it was the last day or the second last day, I went out for a run in that morning. I'm okay, it's time. I'm going to try this person again. So partway through my run, I'm like, okay, God, I need a sign. If I don't have a sign... That's it. I'm done. So after I finish my run, I get back to our cabin, and I check my phone for the time. And during the week, we had our phones on airplane mode because we're just going to use them to see what time it was and to take pictures because we're staying completely as a family. And I had a text message on my phone. And it said, Your first true love, ask for what you want, and we'll give you what you need. And I'm like, what's this? I'm like, I'm checking again. I'm like, it's on airplane mode. I don't know what's going on here. And then Andrew came back into our cabin just as I was uh, finished getting off all my sweaty clothes. And I, showed, or I told her about it. Because like, after I read it and then put down my phone, of course, then I went back to it and it was gone. So either I'm crazy and hallucinating or God 
really did give me a message that was just for my eyes. And I told Andrea, and she started crying. It was just a magical experience. So at that point, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to start my journey again. So after over 20-some years, it was, I guess, my path had opened up again, and I was supposed to come back. So then after this, I started coming back to ECC. I started getting more involved in the church. I joined the chair team. Uh, after that, I joined the baptism tank filling team, which Marlo, surprisingly, I haven't been fired yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but then I've also done other stuff, like we became more regular tithers, and if people were here and saw the video that we shot, which is another thing that steps way outside my boundaries of talking about just doing a video like that as well. And then uh, also like helping with Samaritan's Purse and just their involvement in the faith expansion. And then last year, uh, when Stuart came up and talked about Samaritan's Purse and his trips that he'd been doing to Houston and helping those in need and after crises, Andrew was initially like, I think I want to go. And I was like, okay, sure. But then she went to sleep one night, woke up the next morning, and it was like, I think it's you. And I'm like, I'm out of vacation. I don't have any more vacation. We just have the time we set aside to have Christmas off. And we kind of talked about him, like, me losing time at Christmas to go help these people is more important than just having 10 days off of Christmas to spend with family. And it was like, yeah, it is something that is needed. So off I went to Houston, had an absolutely magical experience there, just seeing people of the amount of, uh, not sure how to say it, but just, you could see it in their face, the joy they had from just people from Canada. Because as soon as you said you're from Canada, they were like, you came here from Canada just to help me? It was just wonderful. And how many people in those moments who couldn't believe people could give that much just come to Christ themselves? And then one night after we'd been out working all day, uh, Mike, uh, oh, sorry, not Mike, uh, Jeff and Jesse, the three of us were just talking, and then I kind of told them about my Green Bay Bible Camp story. And Jesse was like, oh, I kind of noticed something changing you because Andrew wasn't here, but yet you were sitting by yourself in the back row, and I've never seen that before. And it's like, yeah, it's just like this happened, and then I just slowly started to take in more steps up in the journey. So it's been a very interesting journey, and now I have moments... Uh, some nights where God will talk to me. So I'll be, usually they come when I'm sleeping, and I'll kind of have kind of like a dream slash when you're that semi-lucid state just before you got to wake up and like, oh, I need to go have a pee. <laughs> and you wake up and it's just like, God just told me to do this. And like Marlo said, I took the Monday off for my daughter's birthday. And that Sunday night, he came to me like, go talk to Marlo, you need to talk. And I'm like, no, 
I don't need to talk. <laughs> but I went to the gym, I was working out, and I was like, yeah, I think I kind of have to do. So, and he's come a couple other times where he's told me to do things, and it's just, he has given me direction, and I need to follow. And we have been following all the directions he's given us, and it's been quite wonderful, even though it's very scary. You just got to put your trust in him and go for it. And the next thing I've started doing too, which is even more, because the worst thing ever is when Marlo is up here and it's like, hey, it's coffee time, mid-service, go talk to people you don't know. I'm the person still sitting when everyone gets up and like, like please don't anyone talk to me. And like today when he said it to you, it's just like my heart sunk. It's like, oh, come on, I got to get up here and talk, and yet I have to go talk to someone before? And I was like, oh. But this year, so I'm a huge comic book nerd, if those who don't know. So every year I generally go to the Calgary Expo. And this year I found myself talking to complete strangers about God. And I usually don't talk to anyone. I'm there to have fun and just long time in my head and going to do what I do and it just I was actively talking to people about God and I'm like something's different and this is kind of neat but scary so it's been just awesome so now just to kind of sum up my journey and I know Marlo asked me like what's kind of the moment where you've decided, okay, I've given myself 100% to God. And I don't really have a point where it's 100%. I'm still skeptical a bit, even though I've seen a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff has happened, it's still, it's still hard. And like, I gave the initial step at Green Bay, and then as each time stuff more and more happens, I kind of figure it's like I'm on a staircase. And I'm taking it one step at a time. So even though I haven't 100% jumped in, every day I'm taking another step towards that point. And at some point, I'm sure I'll hit the top of that staircase. And I don't know if that's when I die and then pass to heaven or what, or if it's a point where it's just, I realize, yeah, this 100%, I got to dedicate my life completely. But... I'm sure when I get to that point, I'll know. But right now, I know I'm like, I'm just doing as best I can. And that's just one step in front of the other. And at the bottom of the slide, there's just a quote from a song uh, I heard on the radio one day. And then I downloaded And when I go for my long runs on the weekend. Uh, I usually hear it once during my playlist. And it just reminds me is, yeah, just look higher. And if you ever have any issues, just keep going one foot in front of the other and just keep looking up because God's there. And he's there to help you. He may not always be there when you want him or when you need him, but he'll come when you least expect it and give you what you need. So thank you.
Thanks, Dallas, for your, again, for your willingness to get up here and share. My story. In the Old Testament, we see the importance of God's people telling their story of God's faithfulness in every situation. It was important. Psalm 106 that I read from a little earlier is actually a review and a testimony of God's leadership and guidance of the people of Israel. Um, and, and if, well, you, you should read it, especially in the context of this My Story series, Psalm 106. Verses, verses 6 to 13 in that psalm contain phrases like, they soon forgot God's many acts of kindness to them. Easy to forget, isn't it? Phrases like, even so, he saved them. Phrases like, he commanded, as they reflect back on the amazing things as the text message. This here in Psalm 106 is the back then version of the crazy text. I mean, the skeptical mind would go, no, I agree with Dallas. I agree with Dallas when he said, either I'm crazy. No, let's put a period right there. I don't believe that. Because God, who created the universe, is actually in charge of technology. And can, can overpower airplane mode. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, they reflected in Psalm 106 on the miracle of God. Um, when he commanded the Red Sea to dry up. They, they walked across like it was a desert. It says. Oh, it's amazing. He rescued them from their enemies. And then verse 43. Psalm 106. Again and again he rescued them. And the last verse of Psalm 106. Says. Praise the Lord, who lives for, from everlasting to everlasting. God proved to his people that he truly lives and that he is a powerful God. And that's the power of story when we share about God working in our life, even in the painful times that life brings. And the bottom line of our testimony, for any one of us who are Christ followers, the bottom line of our testimony and of our stories shared is found in Psalm 115, verse 1, that just simply says, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. I want my kids to hear that. I want my grandkids to hear that. Uh, in the context of church family, the different generations, I want interaction with the different generations and, and for, so, so that the younger will hear and see the power of testimony, the power of Jesus in a, in a life. It's important to tell our stories so that the next generation in our, in our families, in our church family, can, can hear about God's hand at work and, and hear about our growing trust in God. And that never stops. The Bible talk, talks clearly about stepping across the line of, of faith from, from darkness into light. And we become children of God eternally. We don't have to work for that. That's, it. That's an instant. And yes, I, I believe what Dallas was referring to was the, the growth on the other side of that commitment, that initial surrender. Even sometimes, yes, with our, with our doubts and our questions still. But from there, it's the growth of, and I'm on that growth journey in terms of daily learning, growing, deepening trust in God. It, 
If someone were to ask you, so what's your story? Would you be prepared to share it in a way that clearly directs people to, to the leader of your life, to the forgiver of your sin, to the leader of your life, Jesus, your best friend, the one you say you follow? What would you say? There's a course, remember John, when we used to teach together back at uh, Millwood's church, the Contagious Christian course, an excellent book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. If you, if you, need, if, if you want a book on, on just helping you in very practical ways where evangelism isn't scary, it's, it's about how, how God has wired you and how God can use you and your gifts and personality to, uh, to share his good news message. And that's what this course is about. And uh, in that course, it gives a, a really good outline for organizing our, our story. So we're ready to share it, or, or portions of it, in, uh, in positive and, and uh, meaningful, uh, non-judgmental ways. It outlines three simple categories. Before Christ, conversion to Christ, that moment of surrender, and then after Christ. And the biblical example used is from Acts 26. And I encourage you to read that at some point this week. Acts 26, where, where Paul shares his story uh, of coming to see Jesus for who he truly is and surrendering to him. And Paul is speaking to, yes, there's a crowd there, but primarily his audience is King Agrippa. And Agrippa had some authority over some of the Jewish religious affairs. And, and here Agrippa, Agrippa is inviting, he invites Paul to share and, and by this point, in Acts 26, Paul has been a Christ follower and, and a, a missionary for over 20 years at this point. And is in, he's in some trouble, Paul is, in Acts 26. He's in some trouble for his gospel work. But he begins to tell his story in these three sections. First section, before Christ. Acts 26, 4 to 11. It describes how he used to live. How he used to think about life. And certainly it's a unique story that Paul has, for those that know it. A unique story for sure, but, what, but, but the what I was before I surrendered to Jesus still applies, no matter what our background is. For those who... For those who accepted Jesus as a young child and you have just grown up in a church context, in a gospel context, and, and you've followed Christ through the years, and, and you know, this, this conversation is going to look a little different than some who have, uh, you know, lived some life and, and, and then come to Christ a, a little bit older, whether a teenager, young adult, or, or later in life even. Um, the conversation is going to look a little different, but, but meaningful still. And I think our temptation is to, is to think, well, if I accepted Christ as a young kid and I remain true, certainly none of us are perfect and, you know, failures and what, what have you, but, but, I, but I was a Christian. I, I had a desire to follow Christ every day of my life and grew up in, in that, with that heart. Uh, we, we tend to think that, well, we don't really have a, a testimony. And that's absolutely, that's absolutely not the case. If that's your experience where you accepted Christ as a, as a young child, um, then it, it's more about 
about that, about, about the story of having grown in your, in your recognition of life as you moved along, in your, in your recognition of, of life being meaningful through Christ, um, about your eternity being secure, not because of anything you've done, but because you've surrendered your life to the one who created you, to the one who, who, who knows you best, to, to the one who loves you most, and, and you've just... You just, I, I've stayed on that path with Christ, following him every day. Not, not perfect, but following, desiring to follow him and live for him. It, there's no other way to live. I, I can't imagine doing life without that relational connection with God. And I've had that since I've been a child. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a powerful testimony. That's a powerful testimony of, of a person's commitment to stay true and a powerful testimony of, of, of God's keeping power. So there is power in that. Don't discount that if that's your, if that's your, uh, your story. Verse 9 in Acts 26 contains Paul's clear words on this, where he says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus. We're not just talking about someone who's living their little personal life self-centered and not thinking of God. No, he was actually intent on wiping out Christ followers because he viewed it uh, as, as something that was... Uh, completely off base from his religious Jewish background. So he he says, I I used to believe that. And Paul's story, like some of you, is you've you've got an I used to. And maybe your I used to is for, for, you know, when you were 14 or 15 at a camp and you accepted Christ, trusted in him and changed the trajectory and you you turned from sin and you wanted to follow God's... uh, way for doing life and you received his his forgiveness and that was the change and you i used to now does that mean the i used to always goes away i used to be a selfish kid and then i accepted jesus and i'm I'm just the perfect child now i don't think that's any one of our testimony right uh there's still that growth in character christ-likeness and all of that but it it sometimes becomes about I, i used to be that way and i didn't care god wasn't a part of the picture. There's a difference to say, I used to. I used to live this way or think this way or have these struggles. But, but I came to the point of surrender to Jesus Christ as the leader and the forgiver of my sin, the leader of my life. And I, I, I still struggle at times with this or that, but, but I, 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 want to, I, want, I want that to be further and further in my rearview mirror as I move through life. Uh, there's a big difference there. Maybe for you, the I used to is, I used to try and find purpose in life by advancing in my career. Maybe the I used to for you is, I used to feel broken inside and I tried to numb the pain by spending tons of money on toys and experiences. Or I used to be insecure, so I try to prop myself up through many illicit relationships. Maybe it's I used to try to fill the void inside by drinking lots or pornography or whatever. I, I, I doubt there's a lot of Aerosmith fans here, <laughs> but, but they, have a, they have a song. And, and the words of that song are, there's a hole in my soul that's been killing me forever. It's a place where a garden never grows. <laughs> There's a hole in my soul 
I don't know, maybe some of you here today, that's where you're at. That can change today. That can change in an instant with surrender to Jesus Christ. And that doesn't mean a struggle that's been there immediately goes away. Oh, God can do that and he, and he, and he may. But if some of that stuff stays kind of lingering, that's just opportunity for us to, to continue to grow and continue to trust. But how poignant, whole in my soul. I believe that most people have some degree of awareness of this very thing, this, this void inside, whether they're willing to admit it or not. For some, it's too scary to even acknowledge. So there will be times when, when, when you're, as a Christ follower, when your willingness to talk about your experience like that can help others open up and begin to be honest about their inner sense of, of emptiness or feelings of hopelessness or however they may describe it. I mean, that's when Christ can powerfully intersect with their life through your story. What's your I used to? You can talk about that with someone effectively if, you're, if, you're, if, if you, you know, you've spent a little time in prayerful preparation about that conversation. And, and probably if you've earned the right to be heard by asking good questions about the other person's life, that's, that's, that's usually an important piece. So, there's the life before. I used to, before Christ. And then there's the conversion, meeting Christ. And these next two we're going to just very briefly touch on. Conversion, meeting Christ. Paul shares, again, going back to Acts 26, verses 12 to 18. And again, it was dramatic. It was. It was unique for sure. And you can read about it in Acts 9. He met Christ. And then the third category is after Christ. You didn't believe me that I was going to be brief on that, did you? Huh? I know. Some of you thought, whoa, he's... Yep. After Christ. Acts 26, 19 to 23, Paul makes it, uh, it makes it concise, but he shares there how after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus, and again, why was he heading to that city? To kill, literally, to kill Christians. And again, go to Acts 9, read it. But he began right away after... His, in, his encounter, personal encounter, realizing who Jesus was and surrendering to He began right away to declare the message of repentance and turning to God because, because Jesus, the Messiah, yes, oh, he is the Messiah. I didn't believe it before, but I, I met him. I, I literally met him. And he's the Messiah. He's the sent one. Paul believed that to his core. He, had, he has risen from the dead. That's proof. And he conquered sin. And he conquered death. And he conquered the, 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 the penalty for sin, which is eternal separation from, from God that I can't get out of on my own, and neither can you by our good works. We cannot do it. Could never do it. Jesus did that for us on the cross. And Paul is saying, he, he, he conquered sin and death. He rose from the dead and he shines as a light to everyone. Acts 26, 23. It's great. It's a great story that Paul shares. You may want to reflect on that chapter in light of this My Story series. 
This same contagious Christian course as we wrap up, and I want to take a couple minutes of reflection here in quiet. Contagious Christian course asks some good questions to, to help us prepare, to help us write out our story uh, so that we're prepared for the, for the future conversations. And there's four questions that I want to bring to your attention. What was life like for you before you knew Christ personally? First question. You could talk about some of, your, some of your fears, some of your perceptions about God. As an example, maybe some of you grew up in a home where, where there was a lot of uh, fear and a lot of insecurity, anxiety. That, that, that has impact. And you as a kid growing up in that environment, maybe your story is that you, you, you picked that up as a kind of an MO, to, as a challenge in life. And so you found it hard to trust God, but you came to the place of, of doing so. And so the second question is, what caused you to begin considering Jesus as the one who could meet all of your needs? And thirdly, what motivated you to finally surrender to Christ, to, to come to the place of trusting him as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life and, and moving on in that growth journey on the other side of that commitment, that initial commitment? And then four, how is life different after you surrendered your life to Christ? And, and again, we think, when, when we hear that question, we think automatically of, oh, that it's all rosy or it should be. And no, no, life in a broken world for this time is, is not that way. But what is it now about your heart and about your life and about your attitude and your, about your approach and about your priorities that's different? Still living in the same broken world. <laughs> but the way you go about it, Jesus-based life is different. It's different. I want to mention a practical point here. In sharing our story with those who, who don't know Christ and, uh, and, and quite possibly have no biblical awareness or understanding, we need to be aware of our language. And I don't mean, when you're sharing Jesus with people, don't swear. Don't mean that. Well, that's probably something you, not, you don't want to do. But when I talk about, we need to be aware of our language... Okay, certainly there are biblical words and th that are meaningful. And those of us that w would know the Bible and understand those words, they're, they're, they're rich words. And, and we, can use, we can use some of those words, but we also need to be able to explain these words in terms, in vernacular, modern, modern vernacular, in ways that are clear and understandable to someone who has no biblical background. So certainly something to be aware of. But I want, you just, I want us to just take a couple of minutes and reflect on these questions. And, and I hope you'll do this on, on your own. These slides will be on the church website um, uh, sometime this week, early this week. And so you can get them or you can write them down now. Um, but I want us to take just a couple of minutes and, and, and think about those questions and, and begin to formulate answers based on your experience, based on your story, to some of these questions. Take a couple of minutes to do that.